Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Good. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you look good. Come on, now you got to say it with some attitude or they're not going to believe you. Come on, you look good, man, you look good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all right, I'm going to give an altar call. Some of you lied. Uh, no, no, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. Well, welcome. Welcome to Passion. Uh, uh, we don't believe in false advertisement. We, we called ourselves Passion because we believe we should do everything in life with passion. And so we come together every Sunday and we worship our guts out. And uh, we sweat and we, we even get into some ugly praise every once in a while. Y'all that have been in church a little while know what ugly praise is. Some of y'all have no clue what that is. That's all right. You'll see it if you stick around. We, we just believe that we ought to go hard after God. Amen. Somebody told me one time, you guys are loud. Well, we're called passion. I, you can't be called passion and be quiet. You can't be timid. can't be wimp. You've got to get after it. And so we try to do that every Sunday and experience God. Let me say welcome. It's a really important day in the life of our church today. Uh, welcome to all of our Passion Sports families. We're so delighted that you're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, y'all look good in y'all's Passion Blue. We like that. And, uh, and it's been a pleasure all season to watch some of you guys play and see you guys do your best. And here at the end of service, we've got some awards for you. And that will just carry right on over into the afternoon. Uh, they're going to eat some pizza together. And then we've got some other uh, awards. And it's just a really important day. We want you to know that you're always welcome here and that this is your home. And we will take you on, on any day. We would take you guys and your families. You're the best. And we love you very much and appreciate you. Yeah. I'm proud of my... I'm proud of my folks that attend regular. You make this possible. Uh, this Sunday would never happen without you. For those of you that don't know our history, and I'm going to get in the word here in just a minute, but for those of you that don't know our history, we started with 10 for two, two seasons, three seasons. I can't remember now. It's all running together. Uh, we started with 10 kids. This year we had 42 or 43. And so we've grown a, a great number of kids, and we're just excited about that. And now we're moving into some soccer stuff. And talked to Johannes yesterday, and he said, I talked to him a couple weeks ago, and he said, I think I have six kids so far. I talked to him yesterday, and it looks like he's got 20. Uh, so, uh, boom. All right, so we've got to figure all this out, and we're trying to figure it all out. But God is good, and he's doing great things. We've been in this series. For those of you that aren't here on a regular basis, I've been in this series. It's kind of stretched out a few weeks here. With some interruptions, I got sick one Sunday, couldn't make it, my dad preached, and then last week we had a guest in, and uh, just some great things. But we've been talking about the idea of a blush. Uh, we all have these moments in life. It's those moments where we get embarrassed. Uh, I, I asked for a show of hands in the first service, and there were actually folks that had, had embarrassing moments this week. I had one. I will share with, with you here in just a moment and embarrass myself in front of you and everybody else. But the, the, there are these moments that cause our cheeks to color with embarrassment. We hate them. At least I hate embarrassing moments, right? Uh, I was at a church this weekend, and the pastor said he wanted to uh, put up two signs right in the room that he comes out of before he comes out to preach. And I don't even remember what the first one was now, but the second one was check your fly because you don't want to have an embarrassing moment, right? We hate those, man, those embarrassing moments where you want to crawl under the rock and don't hope nobody saw me do that I made a fool of myself and 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 we don't think anybody ever notices and then we discover that everybody saw you fall everybody saw you fail everybody saw you make a fool of yourself and what happens is you blush and so uh, 
I, I just want to take a moment and, and, and stop right here and personally thank Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, some of you know who she is. She's an actress in Hollywood. Because I needed an example of a, of a reason to blush. And two weeks ago on a Sunday night in the Academy Awards, the, the, right in front of God and everybody, 42 million people watching live saw this. Check this out. And the Oscar goes to Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> this is the first Academy Award and second nomination for Jennifer Lawrence. She was previously nominated in this category for Winter's Bow. Because you feel bad that I fell, and that's really embarrassing, but thank you. Yeah, see, I, I had planned two weeks ago after I saw, I saw that happen, I immediately got on the internet and tried to download it and realized we're going to use uh, her as an example. And then God has this uh, unique sense of humor. Uh, yesterday, Devin and I were at a ball game at about 2.30, 3 o'clock. Y'all know what happened. It started raining cats and dogs. I don't mean just like sprinkles. I mean like a frog choker, like like gully washers, like open windows. Started raining. Coach Gamlin said, let's go. Let's go to the house. We're going to call this thing. I said, come on, Devin. We got to run, man. I don't want to get my car wet and all muddy. Come on, man. Let's run. And I start running. And the only problem is, is out at that ball field, there are ravines. Like like the the water was like up here. Not really. It was It was. And I was like, I'm not stepping in that, man. And so I, in all of the grace, and with gazelle-like abilities, decided I would jump the 92 feet necessary to clean, to clear that gully. And when I went to plant, my foot went out from under me, and I landed face first in the mud. And Devin's like, Dad, are you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Nobody saw that. Come on, let's run, man. Man. Thanks a lot, God. I'm just glad there were no video cameras, you know. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus is good. Well, society likes to portray Jesus as a wimp. I, I, I don't know if you figured that out. But in our world today, and even in the church, uh, we have this tendency to, to paint Jesus as this real timid, soft-spoken wimpy kind of guy. I, I don't know how long, some of y'all may not have been in church a long time. In, in the churches I grew up, they always painted pictures of Jesus in the baptism, right, like right up there on the back wall. And he always had this like pasty, mellow looking skin, oh, easy, ethereal, just kind of wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. I got news for you. Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus was a man's man. He was a carpenter. He was a rough dude. I, I mean, you could have signed him up in the UFC and he'd have killed everybody. I mean, he was a man's man. He was rough. And I know that because when you read the account of his life, Jesus was controversial. Jesus was confrontational. Jesus would look people square in the eye that nobody else would even say anything to, would never confront, would never stand up against the religious leaders of the day, tax collectors, uh, thieves, it didn't matter, kings, governors. He would just stand up, look them straight in the eye, and confront them about the issues of their life. And he would cause them in that moment to blush. Jesus wasn't timid. 
Jesus had this ability to cause people to have this moment where the color from their, the, from their face would suddenly turn bright red. And so we begin to talk about some of the accounts where Jesus caused people to blush. And real quickly, just to catch you up, we've dealt with two so far. The first one was in Luke chapter 4, verse 46, where Jesus looks at his disciples and he asks them this question. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you still don't do the things that I tell you to do? I want you to know at that very moment, those disciples were embarrassed. I promise you. And I would just say to you that we should still be embarrassed by that question today. Because why do we continue after all this time to tell Jesus, you're our Lord, you're our Lord, but we still won't do what he tells us to do. We won't, we won't serve like he says to serve. We won't love people he tells us to love. He says to forgive and we won't forgive. He says, don't hold grudges. We won't, we won't let go of grudges. I'm preaching already and y'all thought y'all came for an award ceremony. We'll get to the trophies. Just hang on. Uh, he, he says, tithe. We won't give. He says, hey, we, we won't do what he says to do. And, and, and so we should blush. And the second one was found in Mark chapter 4 and it was in verse 35 through 41. It's simply the account where Jesus is in a boat with his disciples. Jesus is exhausted. He's asleep in the back of the boat and the storm get, comes up and the waves begin to rock the boat and these experienced fishermen finally come to the place when water's coming over the edge of the boat that they think that they're going to drown and they go wake up Jesus and Jesus being who he was stands up, looks at the storms, looks at the wind and say, stop it. And instantly... The storm stops. And all of a sudden, rather than going back to sleep and minding his own business, Jesus turns to his disciples and said, Come on, guys. Don't you have any faith yet? And in that moment, they're embarrassed because they've already watched Jesus feed the 5,000. They've already seen Jesus heal lepers with a single touch. They've already seen Jesus raise a boy from the dead. They've already seen Jesus turn water into wine. And all of a sudden, they are exposed as faithful, faithless followers. I wonder how many of us, we've said it last, when we talked about this, that all of us in this room, it doesn't matter whether this is your first time to passion or your 900th time to passion. The truth is this morning is we've all encountered the presence of God to where He's proven to us that He's real and that He's faith worthy. And so we should be embarrassed. Well, let's wrap this thing up this morning. I want to take you to an account of what I believe may be one of the most embarrassing questions Jesus ever asked. It's a tough question. It's in John chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. Listen to what the Word of God says. It says, Soon another feast came around, and Jesus was back in Jerusalem. And near the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool. In Hebrew, it was called Bethesda. It had five alcoves, or another way to say that is it had five porches. Hundreds of sick people, blind, crippled, paralyzed, were in these alcoves. Sometimes an angel of the Lord would come down to the pool and stir the water. And when the angel did this, the first person to get into the pool was healed from any sickness he had. One man had been an invalid there for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him stretched out by the pool and knew how long he had been there, he said, Do you want to get well? That's an interesting question. Do you want to get well? I don't know how Jesus knew he'd been there 38 years. I don't know if he had like a jersey on that had the number 38 to signify I've been here 38 years. I don't know if like he had so many empty Starbucks cups, 38 years worth of Starbucks cups laying around. All I know is the Bible says that Jesus knew, somehow he knew that he had been there a long time. And he looks at him and asks him an embarrassing question. Do you want to get well? 
Notice what the guy says. Sir, when the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. By the time I get there, somebody else is already in. And Jesus said, get up, take your bedroll, start walking. And the man was healed on the spot, and he picked up his bedroll and walked off. Now, let me tell you some things about Jesus real quick before we move on. Uh, By the way, Jesus is powerful. Uh, we're talking about Jesus here. Jesus had this ability to to heal folks. We, you go and read the account and you recognize that Jesus had so much power inside of him that Jesus didn't even have to touch people and people could be healed. In fact, you can go read the story of the woman with the issue of blood who snuck up on Jesus and grabbed the hem of his garment and instantly she was healed and Jesus goes, who touched me? I felt power go out of me. He's got so much power that people didn't even have to be touched by Jesus. Jesus could be touched by them and they're healed. Not only that, Jesus had so much ability and power that he didn't even have to notice folks. He didn't have to talk to them. He didn't have to address them. He didn't have to have dialogue with them. Jesus just could walk up and find people that were sick and be minding his own business and people would be healed. And now that kind of Jesus, that powerful style of Jesus, this anointed Jesus, walks into what is literally a hospital ward. There are people everywhere that are sick. There are people laying there that are sick there are people there that are blind and lame and deaf and dumb and that that doesn't mean they're stupid that okay uh lighten up we have fun here at passion all right they okay (laughs) jesus walks into that kind of environment I, i just think that Jesus was so powerful that he could have been six miles away and the Bible said he knew the guy had already been there a long time so he had this ability to know things why from six miles away didn't in his own mind he go oh there's a guy over there that needs to be healed he's been there 38 years but instead what Jesus does you got to catch this Jesus goes looking for him Jesus changed his travel plans Jesus took a detour Jesus went into a hospital ward and found this one man and I said all that to tell you this morning that Jesus still looks for people You need to know this morning that the reason that you walked in this house this morning was not an accident. It wasn't a coincidence. God has worked it out. He's pulled the strings. He's worked it all out for your good. Jesus is looking for you. Jesus will go out of his way to come and find you. He could send healing to you, but instead he came searching for you. The good news about Jesus today is that Jesus still goes on search and rescue missions. And this morning he's on one looking for you. That ought to give you hope this morning. These are folks that had tried everything. I think these are folks that had gone to every doctor, had gone to every church service, had gone to every traveling healing evangelist they could find, that had more oil slapped on their head than anybody in the history of mankind. Heal them, Lord, and they're still sick. These are desperate folks, hopeless folks. So now what happens is they spend their days hoping against hope that they can outrun their sick neighbor to gain access to a healing lottery. That's what's going on. You've got to read the text and understand what's going on. They're laying around this pool hoping that when the water is stirred that they can outrun their neighbor. They keep their running shoes on all the time. 
Can you imagine the scene in that place when the waters were troubled? I think it was chaos. Fighting one another, pushing one another. The blind man is like, show me the water, show me the water. And the, the, the lame man is tripping everybody with his cane, trying to keep them from getting in. And the deaf player, huh, what did you say? It was chaos. Hoping against hope that there would be a move. Days would go by and no move. Weeks could pass and no water trimmer. Months and no angel sighting. And it is into that depressing, morbid scene that Jesus walks in. When Jesus walks in, the scripture says that he runs into this man. I think he was on assignment. I don't think it was by accident. I think he looks him up on purpose. And the Bible says that Jesus instantly knew that the man had been there for a long time, 38 years. And Jesus stops and asks him a question that, listen, I'm very honest about the word. Listen to me. This is either a very stupid question or... It's one of the most embarrassing questions anybody's ever been asked in Scripture. I mean, it's got to be a stupid question when you run into a guy that's been there for 38 years and you you ask him, do you want to get well? That is a dumb question. I mean, come on, Jesus. Of all the gall, Jesus, I've been here for stinking 38 years. Years. Every day I've been trying to get healed. I have exited my normal life so that I could get here. I don't go to the bank. I don't go to the donut shop. I don't go to the grocery store. I don't go to the post office. I don't go to Disneyland. Every day for 38. Come on, Jesus. That's a stupid question. Or it's an embarrassing question. I I think it's probably the latter of the two because... When Jesus says to this man, do you want to be healed? I I want you to notice that Jesus didn't ask him this question. Why aren't you healed? He cuts right to the heart of the matter and causes a blush to take place. And he grabs this man with his voice and says, do you want to be healed? Well, Let me make some points this morning and then I'll get out of your way. Just three questions or three statements that I think might help us because I think what has happened is in our own life is that Jesus walks in at various times and he asks us the same question. The first way I would ask this is this, is that this question that I would pose to you this morning is this. Why are we comfortable with our sickness The text says that this man has been sick for 38 years. I would venture to guess that he has become accustomed to his disease. I I think that the chains that had wrapped his physical body have now not only wrapped his physical body, but have also wrapped his mind and also have wrapped his routine so that now this man who once had a life finds himself so chained up by his disease that he's become accustomed. He's used to being sick. It's all he knows. He doesn't even know how to be well. He just knows how to be 
sick. I, I, I think he had been there so long that now the only friends that he has, he doesn't have any companions that, that like we kick it together on the weekends and we go watch movies together. I believe all the companions that he knew were the guys laying right there around him. His whole life was wrapped up in his condition. He, his whole life was so wrapped up in his condition that when an opportunity for change came, he remained locked in his past rather than seeing the possibility of that moment. That was good. I'll amen myself. Y'all just stare at me. I'm just going to amen myself. Amen, pastor. Okay, I got that out of my system. Some of us are so locked up in our past that when the moment and the opportunity of change presents itself to us that we remain locked up because we're accustomed to and comfortable with sickness. But what I came to tell somebody this morning is that although you may be comfortable in your sickness and in your condition, the reality is, is that Jesus is not comfortable with you remaining sick. See, some of us have had the same issue for so long and the same situation for so long that we become familiar and we literally think that that condition is now normal. Oh, I'm going to meddle. I, bad pastor, I'm going to meddle. I'm going to mess with your junk. Here it is. Some of you have been angry for so long that now you deal with your children in anger and you deal with your spouse in anger and you deal with your boss in anger and you deal with your neighbors in anger and you don't even realize you're so angry. You've become so accustomed to anger that now you literally think being angry all the time is normal. And it's so bad that now your kids think Everybody must act this way. Everybody must scream like this all the time. Everybody must raise a hand all the time. Everybody cusses everybody out. I just came to tell you, just because you're comfortable in that, I just want you to know that Jesus is not comfortable leaving you in that. Some of you have played the victim card so many times that now you're comfortable being the victim and now it's always, oh, doom and despair and everybody's out to hurt me and man, everybody's out to do me wrong and I'm the, I'm the tail and not the head. I'm the last and not the first and, and, and nobody. And you become comfortable as the victim, but Jesus isn't comfortable with you being the victim. Some of you have been overlooked so long. I mean, come on, you, like in eight, when you were eight years old, they picked dodgeball teams and you were the last kid picked and, and now you're scarred for life and you've been overlooked for so long that now what happens is when there's an opportunity to serve or an opportunity to step up into the destiny that God has for you, you literally pull back and you hide because you've been overlooked for so long you're comfortable there. I'm preaching. Some of you have been rejected so many times that what happens now is when you're just about to walk into a, a relationship that would produce freedom in your life, you pull back and you refuse to let them get close because you've been rejected. Some of you have been knocked down so often that now you just lay down. Y'all ever met one of those dogs? Y'all probably own one of those dogs. You beat him so many times because he pooped in your house that... That now all you have to do, you don't have to say a word. All you have to do is walk in the house and... and yeah, y'all feel sorry for them, but what if, what if you're that dog? What if you've been knocked down so many times that now what happens is when adversity comes against you, you're right, I can't do that, I'm a, no, I'm a nobody, sorry. 
You may be comfortable with that, but I just came to give you hope this morning. Jesus is not comfortable with that. Jesus has freedom. Jesus has deliverance. Jesus has victory. Jesus has wholeness. Jesus has health. Jesus has provision for you. But you got to come to the place where you refuse to become comfortable. You refuse to allow yourself to remain comfortable with your sickness and your condition. Why? 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 Because... There comes this moment that you've got to come to this place where you say it's been long enough. How long will you remain satisfied or comfortable with what Jesus has the ability to change? Your family doesn't always have to be the way it is. Your kids don't always have to be like crazy. Your, your, your life doesn't always have to be in turmoil. There doesn't always have to be lack of joy. Jesus is not satisfied when you don't have what you need in your life. And I am imploring you, don't become comfortable with what makes Jesus uncomfortable. The second thing I noticed out of this is that excuses can turn pool parties into pity parties word I, come on now Jesus walks into a hospital ward when every account of Jesus that I read the Bible talks about how when Jesus would walk into a town people that were sick already knew that he had the ability to heal the, the word went out ahead of him news began to spread there's an account in the in the New Testament where a, a, a blind man hears Jesus is passing by and had already heard that he could heal him and and so I don't know maybe Twitter had blown up maybe Facebook somebody been posting on Facebook uh, maybe the tabloids in the grocery store were telling the story I don't know how he knew word spread and now all of a sudden Jesus walks into this environment where all these people are sick I just got a sneaking suspicion that that word should have spread that Jesus, the Son of the living God, the one who can heal anybody, has now walked right into our porch. And not only that, he stops and picks out one man and presents him the opportunity to be healed. That should have been the highlight of that man's life. I want to tell you, at that very moment, when Jesus walked up onto that porch, there should have been a pool party going on. There should have been invitations, streamers, banners, parades. I, I don't know, what, what do you do at pool party? They should have been excited. They wouldn't have done that at the pool party. I know what you just thought. That wasn't the pool party I'm talking about. There, there would have been a pool party going on. And instead... This man that had been there for 38 years, when he was presented with a life-altering, future-changing opportunity, an encounter with Jesus, he turns what should have been a pool party into a pity party, and he does it with excuses. I want you to notice that when he was asked, do you want to be made whole? His response was he began to make excuses. He did. Do you want to be well? Well, here's my problem, Jesus. I don't have any friends. And not only do I have any friends, the ones I got are sorry. That's what he says. He said, I got nobody to put me in the pool. All my friends laying around here, they don't give a rip about it. If I had some of those friends that would cut like the hole in the roof and lower them down, then I would have been. But I got some sorry, slack, lazy friends. That's what he's saying. And not only that, it's, the, it's their fault I'm not healed, Jesus. But not only that, not only is it their fault, it's your fault. That this is literally what he says. It's your fault. 
You know how I know he says that? Because he says, when the waters are, are, are stirred, I try to go get in, but everybody else beats me. What he's saying is this. Jesus, if you had made me faster, like if I could run the 40-yard dash in like 2.8 seconds, then I would outrun everybody. But because in your infinite wisdom, you great creator, you made me slow. Don't, 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 don't read yourself in it. I know some of you are slower than you wish you were. Uh, uh, rejection is just like rising up and you playground. This, come on now, this is what's happening. He's blaming people. Not only that, Jesus, I'm weak. I don't have the strength to push through. Are you all with me this morning? That's what he's doing. He's making excuses. This passage of Scripture to me is timeless. This passage of Scripture is revelation to us because what I think it does is that it shows us that without exception, when we are presented with an opportunity for change, when we are presented with an opportunity for deliverance, when we are presented an opportunity for healing, most times we all tend to make excuses. And, here's the kicker, and most of the time our excuses come down to blaming everybody else for our lack. Okay, let me just tell you, let me give you a little future lesson here too. If you're in bondage this morning, you need deliverance, you need healing, you need provision, chances are you're going to have an encounter with Jesus today because we planned it that way and Jesus came looking for you. All right? This is no surprise. Jesus is here. He's here every week. All right, okay. So if he's going to touch you, let me tell you the problem with excuses. The problem with excuses is that the, at the moment that Jesus touches you, if you're addicted to excuses, when he touches you and he heals you and he sets you free, every time he works a miracle in our life, on the backside of the miracle, there are responsibilities associated with that miracle. Y'all ain't helping me none. On the backside of every provision that he brings into your life, and on the backside of every healing, on the backside of every deliverance, there, is responsi- there are responsibilities associated with that healing. And if you are addicted to excuses, what will happen is after you're set free and after you're healed and after you've been delivered, you will fall back into that same excuse and it will usher you right back into bondage. I'm preaching. That's good. Y'all I've seen it all the time. Oh, I got healed, but that healing wasn't enough. I got set free, but I'm not. I I got provision, but it just wasn't enough. That healing didn't come the way I wanted it to. The change was too hard. We allow. Point in case. Let me let me help you. Point in case. All right. This is nobody in here, so I'm just going to say it like it is. Like you run into one of these individuals that's been like married like 19 times. Some joker. I literally walked into the tag agency a couple weeks ago and heard a guy talking. And he had like 32, his boss, he was talking about his boss, had 32 children from nine different women. Some of y'all, y'all are slow, but some of you're worth waiting on. So, so, so here's how it's worked. Here's how it worked. Man, this, this relationship is bad. God set you free, if you want to see it that way. And all of a sudden, you find a new woman. And all of a sudden, this is too hard. She don't cook what I want her to cook. 
She don't clean the way I want her to clean. I need, I need some time. You gots to do all the stuff because I need to be playing Xbox all hours of the night. And all of a sudden, number nine is by the wayside, and I'm looking for number ten because I was addicted to excuses and I wouldn't do the hard work. See, I, I just came to a conclusion about this account. Jesus' question cut straight to this man's will. He doesn't ask about his ability. He doesn't ask about his resources. What he does is he asks this simple question. Do you want to be healed? So maybe I should share with you this morning that I am convinced that many of us need to realize that our can'ts are in fact wants. Y'all didn't get that. Our can'ts are literally wants. It isn't that I can't have a good relationship with my spouse. It's I won't. I, I won't guard my mouth. I won't go to the counselor. I won't change my attitude. I won't do the hard work of getting along. And then all of a sudden when it's all going south, we say, I can't. Bull. You won't. Y'all didn't know y'all coming for this, did you? I, I just quailed off and, yeah. It isn't that I can't forgive. It's that I won't. It isn't that, that, that I can't make enough money. It's that I won't make the right choices to live on less than I make. I won't cut up the credit card. I won't drive something. I, I wonder if maybe some of us are like those guys standing on the road that hold up the signs that, that say, we'll work for food. Have you ever stopped to try to get one of those guys to work for food? Um, most of them could. I mean, if they can stand out there in like 20-degree weather, they could probably work for some food. Try to get them to. Most of them won't. I wonder if maybe spiritually we fall into that same category because we say we want freedom and we say we want provision and we say we want healing, but then when Jesus provides an opportunity or an encounter for us to get that, it's not that we can't. It's we won't. Jesus makes a demand. Jesus makes a demand that every excuse be excused. Jesus makes an, a demand on this guy that you've got to quit having pity parties if you're ever going to have a pool party. I just came to tell somebody in here, you've been making excuses long enough, and ain't nobody coming to your pity party. But if you would just make up your mind that I'm going to do what God says to do, and when I eventually do what God says to do, at that moment a pool party will erupt in the middle of my pity party, and people will come and be a part of my pool party. Some of you just need to shut your pity party down. And finally, I just have to ask you this question. Are we waiting on the right one? Or are we waiting on others to produce a miracle that only Jesus can bring? There's nothing wrong with waiting. In fact, we sang it. We'll wait on you, God. The problem is we're all waiting on somebody else. This, th this guy had been there for 38 years, and he's waiting. He says, I, nobody to put me in the pool. What he's literally saying is there's nobody to position me for healing. 
There's nobody to, to, to help me. There's nobody that will get me in the right place so I can get all that God's got for me. If I just had somebody, I'm waiting on somebody to do this for me, Jesus. And Jesus teaches us that waiting is not bad, but you can't wait on the wrong one. Let me, let me, let me see if I can break this down for you. Nobody can do for you what Jesus can do for you. Nobody. Let me say it like this. If you are waiting on anybody else to restore your life other than Jesus, you will remain broken. This guy was waiting on somebody to get him in the pool. I, I just venture to you that he would have stayed sick the rest of his life waiting on somebody. He would have been like on the cane. I got nobody. He would have never had anybody. And so let me break it down real basic for you. Some of you in here right now, think this in your mind. If my ex would ask for my forgiveness, then I could be free of all this resentment. What if they never ask? What if they thought you were the problem and they're waiting on you? What if they go to their grave and never once say, I'm sorry? That means if you're waiting on them, what that means is you will die in your resentment. You can't wait on somebody else when only Jesus. Well, you don't understand. I, if my uncle who did to me what he did to me would come and admit what he did, then I could be free. What if he never admits it? What if he never owns up to what he did? You're waiting on the wrong one. Well, well, well. If, if, if I could be, I could be whole if the investment that I made pays off. What if it never pays off? What if it goes in the tank? Well, if, if my teachers would just give me a break. What if you don't have any merciful teachers? If you're waiting on somebody to do what only Jesus can do, you will be, you will be waiting for the rest of your life. Well, I, if it wasn't for my upbringing, things would be different. Newsflash, you can't change your upbringing. But Jesus can change you. See, Jesus demands that we come to this place where we realize that our trust has to be in him alone. This man's trust was misplaced. He trusted his friends, and he remained sick. He trusted local legends, and he remained sick. He trusted timing, and he was always a day late and a dollar short. It is Jesus and Jesus alone that can move the people that need to be moved, that can provide the break that we so desperately need, and that can alter timing in our favor. He is the source. He is the solution. He is the healing. He is the miracle. He is the breakthrough. He is everything we need. He is the hope. He is the one and the one and only that is trustworthy. He is the man that can do what he can do. Nobody else is worth waiting on. In fact, there are some of you waiting right now saying if they would get right with God, I would get right with God. Only problem with that this morning, y'all, is you won't ever get right with God if you're waiting on boo-boo. 
because boo-boo ain't getting right with God and you can die and go to hell and boo-boo will still be not making it right with God. This is about you and understanding that only Jesus can set you free and only Jesus can turn your life around and only Jesus can get you in right relationship with the Father and you cannot and should not and must not wait on anybody else. Because if you wait, you remain in your sickness. So this is how we're going to do this this morning. I want to challenge you that it's time for you to get uncomfortable with what you've become comfortable with. Some of you bought a lie that it's always going to be as it's always been. Lie. It doesn't have to be that way. I want to challenge some of you that you've been making excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse and you find yourself in the middle of the biggest pity party known to mankind. It is time for you to quit making excuses and own your own sickness so that Jesus can walk into your life and you be honest about your condition. And I want to challenge you this morning. It's time to quit waiting on everybody else. Don't wait on your parents. Don't wait on your siblings. Don't wait on your teachers. Don't wait on your friends. Don't even wait on the person sitting next to you right now. If you need a touch from God, if you need to be set free, if you need healing, if you need provision, the only one that can answer all of that is nowhere sitting next to you in the natural. But he's standing here in the supernatural. And he can change everything in your life in one moment. I want you to stand with me this morning. He had been sick for 38 years. How long have you been sick? Life had not turned out like a lot he thought he like he thought it would. How has your life turned out? And all of that would matter except for one really important feature of this account. Jesus showed up on assignment looking for one man. You're sitting in a crowd. You're standing in a crowd right now. Some of you are uncomfortable because there's so many people around you right now. But the cool thing this morning that I came to tell you is this, is that Jesus didn't come for all them. And he has this ability to push through a crowd like this and find the one he was assigned to. He's here for you. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.